Hey, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter from the Columbia Bureau, here to talk the latest in Mizzou athletics. This is going to be a basketball episode of the podcast as we try to get everybody up to speed on this new-look Missouri basketball roster. Who's here? Who's gone? Who could be coming? We're going to break that all down here um, as we try to uh, kind of, uh, I guess, put our put – a snapshot of where Missouri stands in this transfer offseason, Dave. Uh, you know, I think Missouri fans sometimes, they, they see what's going on with the team. And they go, man, this is crazy. I'm getting texts from people going, what's going on with the team? And I'm like, it's what's going on with college basketball. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's always been the season of the transfer, increasingly so in, in recent years. But this extra year of eligibility due to the pandemic, um, guys coming back for extra seasons who might have graduated, um, guys wanting to change the scenery with with that extra year. It's 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 really gone bonkers. More than more than a thousand now guys in the transfer portal. And Missouri, like every other school, is trying to get better during this. Um, let's start big picture. What do you make of of what's going on this offseason with college hoops? Well, I, I think it's um, I think it's a combination of a lot of factors. For, for one, you've got this extra year that everyone was granted because of COVID. And because of that, you have this extra class of these super seniors who in a normal year would be, they would have exhausted their college eligibility, but now they have this extra year and some of them want to move on and play somewhere else. Either they're not super welcome back at their current school, or they just want to shoot some hoops for another year. That's kind of how Conzo Martin said it a few weeks ago. And um, in that case, you know, they're moving on and trying just kind of taking their chances in the, in the portal. Mark Smith did that a little bit surprisingly. So, but he wants to play one more year and is going to go to Kansas state drew bugs, Missouri's point guard. They had for one year wants to come back for a sixth year of college basketball. Uh, he played at Hawaii for four years. Now he was a redshirt one of those years, but was there four years and was at Missouri for one year. And now wants to play somewhere else for one year. So that's one factor. You've got these super seniors, um, and then you've got what the NCAA is expected to pass this rule that the one-time transfer waiver that anybody can transfer from one school to another without having to sit out a year. And that's expected to happen here pretty soon. And, uh, and that's a permanent change. That's not going to be something just, just a one-year COVID thing. Um, that happens in every other sport in the NCAA, except for men's basketball, uh, football, baseball, and men's ice hockey otherwise you transfer somewhere you can play the next season um maybe women's basketball too i think in some cases um so that has led to a lot of players wanting to move on and play somewhere else and missouri is not quite at the far extreme of that but they're in the power conferences they're they're high up there as far as players in the transfer portal. Now, I, if you count Mark Smith and Drew Bugs, which I don't know, do, do we really count them? Because they weren't expected back anyway. Um, but there are some programs that I count the other day. Uh, I think there's something like 20 that have at least, 20 high major programs that have at least five, six, seven, or eight players in the portal. Um, it's a lot. And, and some of these are really good programs too. They're not, it, they're not all you know, Vanderbilt or somebody that's coming off just this awful situation, awful destitute season. Uh, there's some good programs out there. So that doesn't mean what's happening at Missouri is just nothing to look at a little bit closer and figure out why, but it's not uncommon to say the least. 
Well, let's let's dig into it a little bit. There are kind of different kinds of transfers. There's guys who who don't like the way things are going, or maybe clash right. with the team. We've seen that with Missouri a little bit, and Xavier Pinson, right? I mean, yeah. Xavier Pinson is a guy where if things were were all good with the team and the player, he'd be back and he'd be a key part of next season, right? I mean, that's safe to say. So there's an example of that. Then there's some guys who the team's not going to come out and say it. Um, you know, they're not going to they're not going to put a guy in a negative light, but probably would not um, have been. I want to say welcome back, but it was time to, to move on. I mean, either it, it wasn't going to work or there, there were, there's chances to upgrade the roster um, guys with expiring eligibility in a normal time. There are some guys who fit under that Mark Smith, I think would fall under that, that bucket. Um, and then you, you know, drew bugs as, as well. Um, they can play and, and, and they're on good terms with Missouri, but it seems like both sides kind of see if they want to be the player they want to be, they're going to have to switch they're going to have to switch, switch right. gears, switch teams. That happens a lot. And then there's, then there's the example of a guy like Parker Brown, who that one I think has some people confused because Parker showed some flashes this season, but he also, you know, doesn't exactly play the level of defense that Conzo was going to demand from some of his players. And there was, there seemed to be a growing frustration between, you know, the player that, that his I'll just say it, the player his camp thought he could be right. versus the player he was going to be on this team. And it wasn't getting better. And, and I don't think it was a Parker issue. I think he and Conzo had a good relationship, but it kind of became clear there that this was not trending in a great direction for him. It, the team knew he was going to transfer before the tournament game. Now he, we find out today he's going to, to Santa Clara, which is a chance for him to be a more prominent player. So there's, there's makings of, of all kinds of different types of transfers across the landscape. And there's also makings of all different kinds of transfers on Missouri's team. Right. Um, it, it speaks to, I think it says one thing right away. I think Conzo has, has realized he needs to make some changes to the roster in terms of athleticism and, and, yeah. and, and ability. I, I think he's made some additions already, and we're going to get into them, that will kind of change the characteristics of this team a little bit. I think you're going to see a team that's more athletic, that's more bouncy, that's maybe more 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 capable of playing the kind of defense that he wants it to play. Um, and this is, I think, I think a lot of both the players and the coaching staff are kind of viewing this as a roster reset, a little bit. And it's why I told people, don't assume you know everything about the team based off of who is going to be back after it ended, because. The, the fact is we don't know what these teams are going to look like when the season tips off. Now we have a better idea. Conzo's added three transfers, but they're still looking and, and there's a couple big names, you know, still out there and there's going to be probably more transfers as players decide that they, that they, Oh, my team got this player. I'm going to transfer now because I don't like where I am on the depth chart or, Oh, my team signed this player. I can still move it. I'm going to be eligible right away. The, these chairs have not stopped moving yet. And, and that's kind of the where I'm at with this is I'm not going to make any judgment on any team until the roster is set and transfers are over. Because right now it's like it's like a nebulous it's like a nebulous thing. We're trying to we're trying to make projections and, and, and decisions about teams. Like I see preseason rankings. and I'm like, how the teams are going to change crazy. so much by then. And it's always crazy to do it now, but it's even crazier now. The rosters are just totally in flux. And, you know, we don't know how some of these new transfers are going to play, but it's going to be a new look team. And I think it has a chance to be a, a more athletic team and potentially a, a, a better team than, than the one that we saw last season. 
I agree. And I know that the staff is really excited about the additions and they feel like it's a net gain at this point. Now, now I'm not talking about the five seniors. Like you lose Jeremiah Tillman. That's a loss. Drew Smith has lost. Those are two all SEC type players. But in terms of the guys who left, who had, um, who were juniors or younger, and then the guys they're adding, uh, they feel like these are good, solid additions and they're better now than they would have been had those five seniors just left and had the, the team that they had on the floor at Oklahoma or at, on the roster had stayed. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's well said. Yeah, and, and, you know, you lose a Torrance Watson. You didn't mention him, but he is, I think, in the same boat as Parker Brown. They've both been on this team for three years now. It's fair to say you are who you are after three years. And you, I, I think those guys hit a ceiling in terms of what they can be. Now, would they have been better players with more minutes? I don't know. Maybe they'd be worse. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe they'd get further exposed. They weren't playing for a reason. Conzo Martin was, didn't keep those guys on the bench because he thought they were great players and could develop into great players eventually. It just it wasn't working out at this level in his system on this team at this time. Um, does that mean they can't thrive somewhere else? No, but it just wasn't working. And the, the, the next question that fans have is, well, what does that say about his recruiting? Then? Well, then, then you have to ask out of everybody around the country that's got transfers that they're sort of giving up on. And that's, that's the reality of college basketball now. And the transfer portal allows you to sort of cut bait with somebody who after two years or three just isn't, isn't working out. And that's, that's the beauty of this process right now. Fans are very down on the portal. I've, I've seen that through my chat and what's happening to college basketball. We can get to this in a, later about a bigger discussion, but I think the smart teams are the ones that are using it to their advantage. You look at what Florida's done recently. They've added some of the most high-profile transfers out there, including Brandon McKissick from St. Louis, who, who's a pretty good guard at UMKC the last few years. Um, Arkansas is picking up some high-profile guys. Missouri's getting some very good mid-major players. That, and we've seen they've had success before with mid-major transfers, like Cassius Robertson and Drew Smith. So, um, yeah, I, I think if, you're, if you've got guys on your team that are taking up space that you just don't think are getting any better – and aren't going to help you in the future, um, then this can be a very positive development here. As long as the guys you bring in are good, and they think these guys are pretty good, and they're going to help them in ways and make them a different team than what they have been. Yeah, I think it's – I think it's – you're trying to make sense of this. And if, if not that I tell fans how to think, but <laughs> – Kind of your be, job. Be concerned, about, be concerned about players who transfer to programs that are as good or better. Yeah, so that's why the Pinson thing to me is is I wish I think I think that should have worked out differently. Um, he's a talented player. He's got flaws. I think he can be better. And I think it's disappointing when you don't get the best year out of a guy. And that right. should be his next season. Right. And I think that's a fair point. And, and, and you know, I would tell Conzo, I've told Conzo this. I said it's it's disappointing it didn't work out better because I think you know he has a chance if he improves on the things he can improve on that he could have a pretty big year left. And instead, it's going to maybe happen for some other team in the SEC. We'll see. But, you know, he's getting offers, apparently, from teams that are at Missouri's level or better. Um, other guys who are leaving are not. You know, leaving Missouri to go to K-State is not an upgrade. Um, leaving Missouri to go to Santa Clara or, or some other places is not an upgrade. So, you know, taking a player who's clearly jumping up from that level, it's, a, it's, it's not even a trade. It's, it's, it should be. Not great. And I'll say this about Missouri. They've done a good job of taking transfers that people didn't know about that much and having them identified as guys who can play at the SEC level. I mean, look at Cassius. Look at, look at Drew Smith. 
where would these teams have been without those guys? So the, clearly something on the staff, they have a good way of, of feeling out these transfers who are jumping up. Usually guys who transfer up, they, they don't, it doesn't go that well. But Missouri's for whatever reason has had, seemed to have a good knack for, for identifying them. Now they get, now they get guys who, who, you know, they need to prove that again. Um, and I want to go through some of these guys, Amari Davis in the, in the fold from, from Green Bay, kind of a, a drive heavy attacking guard, doesn't shoot the three all that well. Um, I think the guy that you're writing about for a coming edition of the Post-Dispatch, Jerron Coleman, prefers to go by Boogie Coleman. He could be, he's got to be a big player for them. The Ball State transfer, he played a lot better late, had a foot injury, rebounded, and he improved his shooting. Um, which they got to have some guys who can hit some threes now with Drew gone, with Mark gone, although he was hot and cold from three. And then they've got Deshaun Gordon from K-State, who's kind of a, a scrappy energy defense, you know, rangy forward type. And I think they need to add another kind of a, another athletic big to this thing, and they're looking for one. But these guys have shown some qualities that maybe maybe they are the next Mizzou players to transfer up and prove that they were maybe maybe they were overlooked on their initial recruitment in college. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wrote about Amari Davis the other day, guy from Green Bay, um, played for Link Darner his first year. Link Darner was a former teammate of, of Conzo Martins and was later a student assistant at Purdue. I think I think Conzo's senior year or junior year maybe. So they know each other. He trusts him. There's questions if, well, can Davis play at the high major level? He, he's not much of a three-point shooter. He didn't make a single three his freshman year. Shot 28% as a sophomore, so that's obvious improvement. Just wasn't a big part of his game in high school. He was He's a 6'3 combo guard that scores at the rim and takes a ton of mid-range shots, which, you know, we're told that, that the, the analytics folks hate those shots in basketball because they're, they're inefficient. But those shots killed Missouri this season. They did, and did you, did you if anybody watched UCLA in the tournament, they lived on it. Yeah. So I think there is a place for that on this team and on any team, a guy that can do that. He was, a, as a freshman, he was 11th in the country in two-point field goals. So that's saying something there. The guy can score. Now, he may not be the greatest athlete. He may not be um, have the best measurables, um, but that's, the, that's, that's why he had to go to a mid-major. And uh, I think he's got a chance to help them. Um, you know, after that, we go to Gordon. Gordon is – and I, I – I kind of wrote it this way and it's, it's everybody's favorite joke. Oh, it's a one for one trade for Mark Smith because he came from Kansas state. Well, that that's just more of a coincidence than anything. I, I don't think it's fair to compare these two players for, for several reasons. One, they're both the same height. I think they're six, four, both from the state of Illinois. It, it ends there. Gordon is not a three point shooter. He, he took some last year. K state was really, really bad for one. Um, not very accurate from out there. But similar to what Mark was this past season, much more athletic, uh, gets to the rim, scores at the rim, was a really highly touted uh, recruit out of Chicago, top 75 recruit nationally, four-star guy, goes to K-State, was the Chicago Sun-Times player of the year. And I, I, I posted the list of all those winners from the last 25 years or so. More than half made it in the NBA. So, you know, that's not to say he will or anything like that, but that's pretty elite company when you're the best considered the best player in Chicago. Uh, so there's something there for sure. And I think he fits this need for some athleticism on the perimeter, especially on the defensive end. He's a slasher get, can get inside the paint uh, after his, at the end of his freshman season, Bruce Weber called him the leader of the program. So I, I think there's some intangibles there with this guy and he's, he's going to be really hungry. 
uh, just kind of fits the mold of what this team needs. I, I, I kind of think of him as maybe a little bit more athletic Javon Pickett, maybe not as good of a shooter. Uh, Javon's a guy I think should shoot more from three because he, he's gotten pretty good there. Uh, and those guys, uh, if, if you can play both of those at the three position um, and mix in with some of the newcomers, there's, there's some value there. I, I, I don't think there's anything I doubt about it. I, I, after the LSU game, uh, Missouri's first takeaway, their staff shared privately, I guess not privately now, but they needed some athleticism on defense. That was the takeaway. They could not guard their guards for LSU. And I know everybody wants to talk about offense and wants to talk about three-point shooting and all that, but Conzo's team really suffered on the defensive end and rebounding in the final 13 games of the season when they went three and 10, the, the defensive numbers really fell off. And I think if you can stop penetration, uh, if you can get, you know, some favorable matchups for you with some more athletes on the perimeter, that's a great start. And I think that's, this is where this guy helps. Boogie, I think is really interesting. I think just watching his highlight and I, I suggest any Missouri fans listening to this when they're done with the podcast and when they're done at STL today, reading everything we've written, um, go to YouTube and look up Boogie Coleman and watch his highlights at Ball State. Now, granted, they're highlights. They're only going to show you the good stuff. But he got the guy plays with some flair. Like, you know, you'll see some behind-the-back passes. You'll see some uh, some fun stuff in the open court. He's 6'6", uh, 6'5", point guard, can shoot, can shoot over guys with size. Uh, watching him, you know, I always try to come up with, like, the comparison. And, and this was not a – Total coincidence here. I didn't even mean to come up with a guy that played at Ball State. Kind of reminded me of Bonzi Wells. Remember him? Also a Ball State guy, but I didn't even realize that at the time when I thought of it. Kind of a bigger point guard who can shoot and has some style and some flair to him. So, and and I talked to him the other day for a story that's going to be out probably Friday night, Saturday morning online. Um, kind of a fun guy. And he's really, really hungry to take his game to the next stage. You know, he averaged – now, he had a foot foot injury right at the beginning of, of last season that required surgery, only missed 10 games. I think he had some pins put in his foot. Last five, six, seven games of the season, he averaged 22 points a game and shot 47% from three, and that included in the MAC tournament. His goal was to be the MAC player of the year last year. That didn't happen, so he he knew then, I'm ready for the next stage. I, I want to I play on a bigger stage. His family, he didn't know much about Mizzou, didn't know much about Conzo, but Conzo has a lot of contacts, and I'll write about this more in story, in, in Indianapolis from his time at Purdue. And uh, Boogie's dad uh, was very familiar with Conzo, and he made a, a really, really strong impression when they met, I guess, over Zoom. And uh, I, I think players are going to like – I think fans are going to like this guy a lot. It's, it's kind of – you're mentioning some, some things that, that, that are – you continue to come up and, you know, hungry and motivated and yeah. you know, I know that that fans are wondering like when's the next big splash recruit when's the next five star and it's not like Conzo is not recruiting five stars but it does seem like he has now kind of identified maybe what he's looking for yeah. um, and, and the kind of players that he wants to have and that's going to be the gamble is is can he prove I mean it's almost kind of like I mean how many times did Gary Pinkle say it where you know, I'm not concerned about the stars. I'm concerned about getting players that fit the program. Right. And, you know, is that going to be, is that, is that, have we, have we seen Conzo, Conzo determine what the direction that he wants to go in, in recruiting? Is, is that, is that going to be, you know, he's looking for guys that identify with the program that he thinks are going to fit there. And, and is this going to be, is this going to be how it works moving forward? Or do you think he's going to be, you know, tra- chasing five stars too? The feeling I get is that he's going to go after players that he thinks fit and want to play for. 
and that he's not going to he's not going to you know spend efforts or time on things that he on, on guys he doesn't think have interest in playing the way he wants to play. Um, and I think some of that is shaped by you know the the, the Michael Porter Jr. circus. I think yeah. some of it is shaped by the guys that he's had that have had success and have been big players for his team. I think, you know, I think he's kind of showing an identity here in, in recruiting that it can go one of two ways. Either it can not work and you, and you, and you, and you say, Hey, you know, they should have got more talented players that were, were, were prospect darlings, or it can become a thing that players who fit that mold are drawn to it because they know this is, they see it, you know, they see guys who go there and succeed and they can kind of, it can become kind of become its own thing. What do you make of the kind of the recruiting identity we're seeing emerge in, in, in Zoe over the years? Yeah, I, I think he'll continue to recruit the four and five star guys that they have a natural connection to, whether it's just through through the contacts or somebody in the state. Now that it, we're we're not fooling anybody here. They've struggled to reel in the top recruits around the state, especially in the St. Louis area. But and there's no trophies for second place in recruiting. We know that. But they were right there with Caleb Love. They were right there with EJ Liddell. Um, again, you don't, you have nothing to show for it when you don't sign those guys, but it's not like, it wasn't like Jason Tatum where he just, well, he, Jason Tatum is a unique story. We can write doing a whole nother podcast on that. He was very interested in Missouri at one point, And then um, it wasn't all that mutual coming back the other way. Uh, and then he settles on four schools and I think slew was in there. In hindsight, that was a mistake. Yeah. Just a bit. Uh, that wasn't was, Conzo though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was long before Conzo. And he, he goes to Duke for one year. Um, but had he come around now and, and Justin, his dad has told me this, if he came around now, Mizzou would be right there in the mix. Cause he has a, a decent relationship with, with Conzo. And again, the next step though, is reeling those guys in and they haven't been able to do that, but I don't think they're going to stop in the next Caleb love that comes through, uh, St. Louis, Missouri is going to recruit heavily. And the other thing is about this too, is you've, you've got to, the, the portal makes me wonder if you can take as many chances on guys who are projects who might need a few years to sort of marinate in the program and develop physically um, because it, I, the players want instant success right away. We know that it's getting to the point where the coaches kind of need players who can deliver them some instant success too. So I, it'll be interesting to see how, how teams um, evolve and how they adjust to the new, you know, mechanisms of recruiting with this portal, especially because you, you now have to recruit not only the high school kids, you got to recruit the portal kids who are at other schools and more than ever, you have to recruit your own players now to stay and not go into the portal. And if, if you do want them to go to the portal, you just let it happen. If you, if there's a player on your team and I think we've seen this at Missouri who, okay, we're done with this guy. He's not making progress like we want him to then you don't re-recruit him and he does go in the portal and then you get a chance to bring in somebody else. So um, I know what, I know it's taxing for fans and they get tired of, it and I hear from them a lot uh, on social media or by chat. They didn't, they can't recognize the players' names from year to year. And my solution to that is we'll just keep reading our coverage at stltoday.com, the post dispatch. We will educate you on all these players. So you don't have to blame the coaches of the players or the system we we'll take it upon ourselves to write about Amari Davis and Deshaun Gordon and Boogie Coleman and all these freshmen do. We didn't even touch on the freshmen. They've got five freshmen joining the program this year who are well, yeah, run, 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 run through those guys. Because I think a lot of like a casual Mizzou fan yeah. might say, I know, I know Kobe Brown and, and, and question mark. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Kobe, got, Brown's brother, Kobe Brown's brother is going to be on right, the team. That's right. He just got named um, Alabama Player of the Year, correct? Yeah, we'll start with him. Caleb Brown, Kobe Brown's younger brother. Not a super heralded recruit. Uh, I don't know if he had profiles on some of the recruiting sites, but Missouri knew about him. They actually knew about him as early as they knew about Kobe. Kobe was signed and committed and, and literally signed his letter of intent to Texas A&M. They were already recruiting his younger brother at the time. Then Kobe flips to Missouri after the head coaching change there. Caleb is a guy they've always liked. He's, he's versatile. He's played point guard there. I don't know if he really projects as a college point guard, maybe just kind of a versatile guard. Um, was Alabama player of the year. Uh, they won a state championship. His dad is the head coach there at Lee High School. He was injured, didn't play in the state championship game, but he got them there and they end up winning it. So, um, you know, he, he will be familiar with the program with having an older brother on the team. Then you got the two kids from Springfield Kickapoo also just won the state championship. Anton Brookshire, combo guard, high score. I think he averaged around 20 points a game, shot 40% from three. Um, this is a guy that committed to Missouri very early. Had he not, he probably would have blown up a little bit more on the recruiting scene. Um, his teammate, Trevon Brazil, is a, kind of a, um, a modern power forward, skinnier, uh, flexible guy that can do a lot of different things for you, but a very, very skilled shot blocker. Conzo loves that about him. Said he thinks he's the best, one of the best, if not the best shot blocker in this entire class. Uh for 2021 uh, you got Sean Dura Gordon who's already with the team he is the you know, 6'5 slasher uh, wing player from Queens New York he uh, he he transferred prep schools last year and then just decided when COVID hit he was going to enroll early so he has been with the team since January practicing working out going to class doing all that so he'll probably face a little bit lighter uh, learning curve just as far as getting acclimated to college because he's been with the team for a while um, and then Yaya, Yaya Kieta from, from DeSmet, um, missed his senior year, 6'9", big man, more of a traditional center, um, missed his senior year with the torn ACL, but he's been back practicing and working out for a while from what I've gathered. And uh, I, I, maybe you temper expectations for him as a freshman just because of the knee injury, but ACLs aren't that big of a deal as they were back in the day. So I, I'd expect him, if he has a good summer, can, can contribute to really um, – a guy they, they've liked for a long time. His head coach there at DeSmet is a you know former colleague of Conzo's, was on Conzo's staff at, at Tennessee and Cal, I think, or at least Tennessee for sure. You know him Tennessee. well. Tennessee, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's the class. Uh, it's not one of the highest-rated classes in the country, but unlike some other Missouri classes under Conzo, they did not take flyers on these guys. These were guys they targeted very early in the process, uh, earlier than in the past. These aren't just some guys that they're just taking a chance on. They, they like these guys all along. Um, so we'll see it, it's, they're going to have to contribute. There's no, when you have a five man class, that means you don't have a lot of returning players and, uh, they're going to have to get something out of these guys. All those guys in, including the transfers going to be eligible this year too. no sit outs. Um, as long as that rule goes through and everyone expects it to, what about a big, I mean, they, they're losing Jeremiah Tillman. Um, Mitchell yeah. Smith is, is not back. Um, what are they going to do for some sort of presence down low? Parker Brown, obviously gone. Um, they've, they've got big Jordan, um, but he did not scream like he's ready to step into a huge role next season. Perhaps he, he will need to, are they going to try to add somebody? It seems like uh, they maybe, maybe need like some sort of not, not true traditional center, but some sort of, some sort of forward right. slash center presence. Right. I, I think number one is you need to get big Jordan a little less big. He, he, uh, he joined the program late 
last August. So he missed, they didn't really have a normal preseason because of COVID, but he missed everything basically until classes started. And I think it's safe to say he wasn't in the best shape. Uh, they tried playing him a few minutes and showed some flashes as a big man. I mean, he's seven, three, you're not just going to go out and find a seven, three guy. Uh, so there's something there you can tap into, but then I think his last game was against Auburn and that was a while ago and he struggled didn't seem like his conditioning was the best and he didn't play again, but he is as of Friday, when we're taping this, he is still in the program and intends to stay. So he's a guy that I think will become best friends with Nicodemus Christopher this summer. Or worst enemies. <laughs> or worst enemies this spring and summer. And they will spend a lot of time together. If you can get him in shape, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Very well-traveled high school player bounced around a lot. So this will be, probably the first real stability he's had as far as being on one team, one program. Um, and I, I know Conzo has, he, he said after the season that he really had to ask him, do you, do you love the game? Which is kind of a red flag. It's a red flag for Conzo. And so he wants to see more of him. So the fact that he stuck around is a, uh, is a, a promising sign. So I, th I think he's got a chance to play and then um, they need somebody else. They need a rebounder. They need, an athletic big, not necessarily somebody that can score a ton of points, um, but that would help. Uh, Christian Bishop was an obvious candidate early. Uh, Kansas City guy, played at Creighton, really good player at Creighton, uh, went into the portal. Uh, I know Missouri was very hopeful that they could have a shot with him. Now he, Then he did get an offer from Kansas. It's uncertain where he's going to end up. I'd say he's probably a long shot at this point, but they'd love to have him. He's somebody they uh, wanted, you know, when coming out of high school and didn't have much of a shot at the time. Um, there's another guy who entered the portal from Oakland university and the, the, uh, up in Michigan, Cornell man has, has ties there, obviously um, Missouri assistant coach, uh, Daniel Oladapo, I believe his name is not, not like Oladipo, Oladapo, pretty productive guy at Oakland, um, physical inside presence, veteran player, so that, that's what they need. I mean, they, they need a guy like that who can take some pressure off Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown did a really good job last year of embracing becoming a power forward. He was a legit SEC power forward last year. And I could see some time this year, uh, this next season, that he's going to be probably the biggest guy on the floor at times because you can play small with him inside for stretches. But he, he could use somebody alongside him. And if they can get a, a somebody who's played some college ball, uh, think about guys in the past. Like, I'm not even thinking like um, – uh, who's the who's the center they had the junior college guy that he's still playing in Korea who like set the NCAA record for Ricardo Ratliff yeah I'm not even going that high I'm not thinking even Ricardo I'm thinking like a Keith Ramsey like a guy like that could help the team right now Man, throwback Ricardo Ratliff shot like 99 percent from the yeah field. I'm not I'm not putting Never the standard like a... he was he was great <laughs> or an Alex Oriaki I mean that that guy was outstanding for um you know, being a, a transfer, they could bring and play right away. I'm talking more about like a Keith Ramsey, somebody like that who can come in and give you minutes and maybe not start, but, but help out on the boards and just give you another physical presence inside. So uh, we'll see if they find that, who knows, maybe they'll find it by the end of this podcast or by the end of, uh, by the end of the weekend. I wanted to mention a couple more things. You touched on Kobe Brown. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like uh, leading um, shotgun, maybe, next to next to the team on, on Kobe Brown, maybe being sneaky good next year. Yeah. Um, this guy's gotten better. People forget he was a true freshman when he played last season, everything looks to be improving. I mean, his field goal percentage, you know, took a, took a healthy jump. If he could actually figure out how to shoot a consistent three pointer, I yeah. think he could be 
be a real weapon here. I mean, his career averages, Dave, for 40 minutes. Um, if you look at, you know, if you look at the fact that he's going to be playing more moving forward, he played 18 minutes as a freshman. He played wow. 21 minutes as a sophomore. His averages per 40 minutes this past season, they're up to like 15 points and, and 12 rebounds. Now, he's not going to play 40 minutes, but right. he's trending in the right direction here. If he can develop a three-point shot, I think he could be one of the one of the kind of the sneaky better players in the SEC next season. He's He might have to be you know, we'll see. I mean, Boogie Coleman, I think, has a chance to be kind of the face of this team. But 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 Kobe Brown's going to be the guy who's is what's becoming rarer in college basketball. The guy who sticks around maybe for four years and gets better every year. And by the time he's in his fourth year is pretty dang good. Yeah, they had to really nudge him. And it happened when Tillman was out for a couple of games. It's the best thing that could have happened to him. To be like when Tillman was gone. The guy. And he, he saw him change with a, yeah. a, 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 a switch flipped. And Conzo has kind of described him. He's a, he's a he's a coach's son, and that's great. Except for sometimes you can be too selfless and um, so ingrained in what the team is doing that you're fine with taking a back seat to other players until it's time for you to sit in that front seat and be the driver. And there were times last year where they needed that from him, and there definitely will be times this coming season where they'll need that from him. I, is his three-point shot, the best thing that could happen is that there's enough other good three-point shooters that he doesn't need to be their three-point shooter because I think he was only like 25%, and that's just no, not that's good. No, that's not good. That, that, that has not gone well for him. Where he really needs to improve his free-throw shooting. His free-throw shooting dropped off a lot from his freshman to sophomore year. And if he's going to have a higher usage rate, which means the ball will be in his hands more, getting more shots inside, getting more looks. He's also going to be the focus of, of uh, the, the defense's attention. Uh, then he's got to improve at the foul line. I think he can. I mean, he's got a, a good mechanics and all that when you just watch him shoot. He doesn't look like he's, you know, a complete foreigner to shooting from outside away from the basket. Um, but that's that's an area. And, and then I think his body, too. I, I think they thought he'd be more of a perimeter player when he came in. And then all of a sudden, you know, he showed that he was pretty sturdy down low and good rebounder, good post defender. Um, not that there's a whole lot of post players that you have to play all the time, but um, I, I think he can get it done inside and, and, you know, just work on his body again this offseason. I think will really help him. And, and he's a guy that, yeah, for sure, I think can be the – can he be the best player on this team? I don't know. But can he be the most important? Yeah, I think that's – I think without a doubt he is. Before we run, one recruit that maybe uh, we should put on people's radar, Tamar Bates. Uh, what do people need to know about uh, about about this young man? He's the rare high school recruit who's still on people's radars. Most of them have committed or signed already at this point, and all the attention has been on the portal. He is a Kansas City kid. Uh, had Missouri, you know, in his finalist list when he chose a team last year. Uh, he signed with Texas, was signed, sealed, and delivered to go. Then they had the head coaching change from Shaka Smart to Chris Beard, and he has since asked out of his letter of intent and has opened up his recruitment. He hasn't really uh, said much about who he's favoring, hasn't put together any kind of public list of schools or anything like that, but Missouri was a school that was in on him. They would really love to be back in on him, and he did play his senior year at IMG Academy in Florida, so he hasn't been playing in the state for the last year or so, uh, maybe even longer, but uh, combo guard, point guard, a guy that they'd, they'd love to have. Um, they've got some guards on this team that can handle it. Um, when you when you talk about Boogie Coleman and Amari Davis and Anton Brookshire, but adding another 
high profile freshman would be a, a big thing for this class. But at this point, it really seems uncertain where, where he's going to end up. Continue to monitor that and continue to introduce you to this new look basketball team. Dave is rolling out features on these guys, a great one on Amari Davis and, and one on Boogie Coleman coming as well. Dave, keep up the good work. Fans will uh, know these guys by the time the season tips off, as long as they're reading stltoday.com and the pages of the Post-Dispatch. We will uh, do this again next week. we got to talk some football here. It's, yeah, right. uh, it's, it's getting close, man. Uh, as soon as this transfer portal shuts, if it ever does, we will uh, turn our focus back toward football as we get ready for the fall as well. But wanted to kind of give people a good feel for the basketball roster and the changes, put it in national perspective and context. We hope we accomplish that here. For folks who are finding the podcast for the first time, thanks for checking it out. A reminder that you can find it at stltoday.com slash podcast. Even easier, go to wherever you get your podcast, whether that's you know, the Google Music, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Just search for Eye on the Tigers podcast. You should be able to find us there. Subscribe, let us know how we're doing with a review and a ranking. We appreciate all of your support. For Dave, I'm Ben. We'll talk to you next week, everybody.